What's up, people? I'm your host, Dylan Fox, and welcome to a brand new edition of Russell Update, right here on CageMatch.net and the Five Star Network. It's so good to be back, and just like before, we previewed the show last week. Now we're going to review the show this week. As always, well, not as always, but as always, not for now, anyway. Uh, and he, grac- he graces us with his time once again. Nelade Anelise, how is it good? How is it to have you here? Are you feeling good? I'm feeling good. I'm excited for today. Um, always a pleasure to talk with you. And yeah, you got me out of bed early, so I'm excited. <laughs> the sun is up. So, yeah. Uh, that's right. You, you, you know, when we do have a time zone difference, you know, I'm, I'm in the future for, from Nello. So we had to coordinate things right to get things right. But I, it kind of worked out all right, actually, because I got to check out Raw last night and they kind of gave us some clues of where they were going. Uh, but uh, SummerSlam, we previewed it again. As I said last week, that was a ton of fun. A lot of people liked it. And I'm thankful to all the people who, who listened to the preview and are coming home for the review, obviously. More stuff coming. This is going to be kind of a crazy next month for wrestling because you know you got the all ins you got the all outs you got the all sideways oh wait no that's not a show i just made that up uh they've got they've got uh well, i think like payback is is on the same week as all out but so there's a, a lot of different stuff uh, so Nello, we we need you more right now we we need more of you to carry things or else i'm just going to go crazy with all this wrestling <laughs> going on yeah it's uh it's an honor and a, and a heavy burden to carry the flag for <laughs> WWE. Um. Oh, they, they made it harder with the, this show that we're going to talk about. So some would say, let's see, I haven't seen the cage match ratings for this, actually. So shout out to all the inmates out there. I'm about to look that up right now. We're going to see what the people thought of this uh, show. It's not very high. I can, say, I can tell you right now uh, on here, but that's okay. We, we will talk about it. Maybe, maybe we'll be we'll be higher on it. Maybe we'll be more positive. Maybe we'll be less positive. We'll see. It may be hard to be less positive on, on a certain match for sure. So, the first problem of the many problems we have: the attendance. They announced like a some fifty nine thousand something number on the show, but Cage Match hasn't listed as fifty one thousand. Uh, which is still great. I mean, Four Field, home of the Lions, you know, an up and coming team in the NFL. Uh, you know, they're they're not my favorite. I'm obviously a Carolina Panthers fan, but they, I respect them. I respect their home field. They came in with a lot here. But the first problem with this show, Born to Be Wild. <laughs> How old is this song to to be oh. the, the lead song <laughs> on your show? How many times do we hear this damn thing? It was. <laughs> Corey Graves plugging that song and being like, and thanks to our uh, official music sponsor, Steppenwolf, for their song, Born to be Wild, available now on Apple Music. Like it it wasn't like it was just a brand new song you could buy. It was just very funny to hear like that sales phrase, I guess, for it. Yeah, for this 55-year-old song that they, yeah. you know, like literally, Ken was, had to be like a kid when this song came out. My gra- my great-grandpa. So <laughs> it's, like, so it's like, this is this is ridiculous. I know I get the Triple H is this old-school rock and roll asshole or, or whatever, but come on. This is 2023. You couldn't have found – I'm not saying you have to go with – freaking doja cat but you you know you you can get something a little more modern i feel like than this but i mean they kept the, they kept the thing continuing because who was the first person we saw 
when you click the SummerSlam file and this show stops? They they give you the warning of it, but do you, who was the first person we saw on this show, Nello? Oh, was it Logan Paul? It was Kid Rock. Oh shit! I didn't. Yeah. When was this? Was this the pre-show? No, no. This was the opening video. What? Where, okay. Yeah, they play. He was like the narrator for it, pretty much. They had Kid Rock, and he was talking about, you know, uh, cars. <laughs> Did I miss this? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Yeah, I actually don't remember. I wasn't really paying attention that much. I'm not a huge Kid Rock fan either, to be honest with you. Uh, but he was going on and on and about Detroit and cars, and then they played uh, Ba Wata Ba, which that is also an old song. It's not quite as ridiculously old as Born to be Wild, but that's still 25 years ago. Uh, you know, that, They probably used that song 20 times in the Attitude Era. At the end of the day, so what what are they calling for with their musical choices? Triple H, you've got to get on your game a little bit more with the the things you picked. But he's always there at WWE for whatever reason. Uh, at least he didn't make out with anybody on camera this time, I guess. So we we sure. got that win. And Triple H is usually pretty good about new artists too. I feel like at least on NXT because he would have your um. God, he had like Power Trip for one. Rest in peace, oh, yeah. Riley Gale. He had a uh, what? Code Orange Turnstile. Oh yeah, so, Poppy. Poppy. Yeah, like and it, dude, it's funny. The the friends that I have now, we were all in like a Facebook wrestling group like eleven years ago, and it was like the Code Orange kids were in that too. So it's always just fun to see like everyone go in their own paths, and you're like, wow, they have an NXT like NXT theme now. So always very cool. Oh, yeah, that is really cool. Cool story there. Uh, I wish we had them on the show instead of Steppenwolf, but <laughs> regardless, they did give us uh, Born to be Wild, and who was born to be more wild than Logan Paul, who, I don't know if you saw this or not, but he had to fly from this match right to Texas or somewhere uh, to be with his brother's boxing match versus Nate Diaz, uh, which I think I think his brother won, but it was like a decision fight. Uh, it had to be better than the late fights I, I, I saw, and I don't know what happened. But the only thing I saw was a picture where it was like, Logan looks worse than Jake after a wrestling match than Jake does after a boxing match. Because he had a black eye after this match. Ricochet, <laughs> Ricochet, Ricochet represented us because he, he was a little stiff on Logan here. Um, but the match came in. They did a spot where uh, Logan Paul did this power slam, and the commentators, Cole and Graves, were going crazy, thinking, like, oh, he's shouting out Braun Strowman, like Ricochet's tag partner who's injured. And I, I totally have forgotten that they were a team at this point. That had been no part of the buildup, but we saw the people's moonsault here from Ricochet, which is a move he did on the indies. It wasn't just because of this. I kind of wondered, because if you notice, uh, during the the Jey Uso and Solo match, and in the match with Roman as well, Jay did this, but Jay did the rock punches, like the look at the head and then punch, uh, and then we saw the people's moonsault. I was wondering if they were trying to, like, trick people into thinking the rock was going to show up with all of these references here. Ah, uh, okay. Yeah, that was just speculation on my part. I watched this with Ken and Mamaw, uh, my, my grandma as well, so we were all watching this. Uh, everybody hated Logan Paul. Uh, Ken <laughs> said he, he wished someone would shoot him. On there, and I said, no, that's illegal. You can't do that uh, uh, on there. <laughs> but uh, Ricochet came back. Uh, they did some impressive spots. You know, uh, they did, like, you know, they had a spot where Ricochet caught him out of the air and he twisted into the DDT. Uh, you had the, the detonation kick. Uh, they called the Benadriller uh, here. And uh, 
Ricochet did some cool stuff, but in the end, the problem with this match, because uh, this was actually kind of a good match, I gotta admit, say, say what you want about Logan Paul, but then the indie came, and basically, just some guy. I mean, they, this was never explained who this was. It looked like some art house, like bucket hat wearing hipster guy. But he came in, and he handed Logan Paul like some brass knucks at ringside, and he used the knockout punch to win, and he got the win. Uh, Samantha Irvin looked super pissed after the match afterwards. And, yeah, I guess Logan Paul goes away with a win now. What do you think? It was so funny because on our preview show, we were both like, there's like, if Ricochet loses, it's like the Brian Pillman thing, right? Uh, <laughs> and he lost. Um, yeah, so they were like promoting this as the most viral match of all time or whatever. Um, you know, the whole, the whole, um, reason for this is, oh, we're going to see some really crazy move. We've seen wild spots from them from Royal Rumble to Money in the Bank, and I feel like those isolated spots were better than this match. Um, that's not to say this isn't a good match. It was very well worked. Like Both guys are incredibly athletic, um, but it feels like a match that was like laid out with TikTok in mind, kind of. Um, like there was not much music between the notes. I agree that the ending was super flat. It's so funny to me whenever like someone has a quote unquote friend in pro wrestling like that. Cause Graves is, you know, Oh, Logan Paul's friend just uh, gave him the brass knucks. And five minutes before he's like ricochet shouting out his tag team partner who can't be here. And it's like, God, Ricochet really has the worst friends in that case, doesn't he? Or he just has none. Um, the highlight of the match for me was the ending, actually. So after the match, when Logan was like, you know, staring daggers through Samantha Irving, and I thought that was the one really good storytelling, you know, part of the match. Um, you could like kind of feel the drama in that moment, you know. Uh, Irving's acting was great. Paul was a great douchebag. Um, but in the end, like, okay, a week from now, right? Even two days removed, the way I remember this match is Logan Paul beat Ricochet and then he flew to his brother's boxing match and showed up in his ring gear still. So, like, I don't, I understand, like, yes, this can help Ricochet maybe in terms of, like, virality, but I don't, I don't see how, and again, like, I haven't seen Raw. Um, so I don't know if things changed, but yeah, I don't really see how this benefits Ricochet in the long run. Um, yeah. <laughs> no, I, I don't. The, the thing is, him be, even being in a singles match at SummerSlam was much further above than where he was a month or two ago before they kind of got their thing going. So I will give them credit for that, but I don't think it'll lead to anything long term based on what we saw in Raw. Um, Basically, uh, Logan Paul was nowhere to be seen outside of some highlight reel packages. But Ricochet was in a fatal four-way match with uh, Ciampa, Gable, and Matt Riddle. And the winner would face Gunther. And it was a really good match, actually, but Gable won in the end. Ricochet didn't even win that. Uh, there's a movie to a Gable and Gunther program uh, in, in the future. So, uh, cool. yeah, that was, like, really awesome, actually. But, but not good for Ricochet. It was good for me because I love Shaq Gable. Uh, and it was amazing because they were in Gable's hometown. You had Gable's son who was in a singlet uh, on there too. And Gable's <laughs> singlet, he carried him around the ring. It was freaking awesome. <laughs> like That's that, awesome. That I love <laughs> yes. that. Yeah, Gable got to look tough against Gunther too at the end when he ran him off after beating down Otis. So 
Uh, I don't know what got into WWE. Maybe they're listeners to me on the show when I said he should win the Battle Royal. But it looks like they're going to give Gable a mini push as well. So I was very happy for that. But, you know, coming off a big singles match, you want you would ideally want Ricochet to get something from it. And like you said, the the individual moves in this match were good, but I liked the way you said it. There really aren't a lot of good music between the notes on these. And this, that's kind of a problem I have with another match as well, which I don't think was as blatant as this, but, you know, it was fine. Like, I, I definitely don't think you can walk away, like, mad about it or anything, but it just, it was like a, a decent snack, more so than a good meal. Like, oh, oh. Yes. And, okay, because when we look at it on paper, you know, uh, as, a, as a hardcore wrestling fan, I'm always, like, trying to see it through rose-tinted lens. So I'm like, wow, Logan Paul is a great opponent for Ricochet, right? But, like, the whole thing is Logan Paul is our, like, carnivore, right? He's our main event guy here. Ricochet is just a mouse to be fed to him. Like, yeah. it's one of those, like, old Brock feuds where, like, um, or like when Ronda was champion, like, oh, Ruby Soho's gonna get a chance, or, oh my gosh, um, you know, Finn Balor's gonna get a chance, and like, the matches like exist to put the person over, not to create long-term, um, like booking stuff for the actual yeah. wrestler who's you know fighting these people. So, yeah, I mean. Definitely great for Ricochet to have a SummerSlam singles match. Totally agree on that. But with him, I guess, losing again on Monday, too, it's um, it's like Austin Theory and Cena, right? How yeah. long does the sort of uh, heat of working with a Logan Paul in SummerSlam last if nothing comes from it? Yeah, there's no real clear path for them to go with them now because they didn't set up anything. But I will say another good thing about this, Ricochet got to so show some promo chops, which I don't think he's ever even gotten the chance to in his career at WWE. <laughs> and he did a, a better job than I expected. Uh, so they showed that. I would One thing I would have liked about this match, too, is we had gotten more interactions with Irvin if they had a part, had a part where she slapped Logan or, or something like that. He kind of had like one little comment where he was like, "Oh, look at you, boy! I'm gonna hurt him real bad out there." And, but he didn't really get in her face. Didn't really do anything too aggressive to her. The best part was kind of what you said after the match when he was like, "Announce it, announce my name," and she wouldn't do it because she was super mad uh, at the end. She had a great look of being pissed off. <laughs> um, but that was the highlight for me. <laughs> um, after this, we go to uh, Seamus coming in with a monster truck and for somehow like they're in an alleyway and the brawling brutes are there and they like hug and say we're gonna have a banger <laughs> so i mean I've, I've done that before right just pulling up to the gig in my monster truck meet my boys <laughs> in the alleys and get yeah. ready for a banger that's right just classic uh classic detroit summer moves Absolutely, Seamus represents the spirit of Detroit here. <laughs> um, but I don't know who they represented the spirit of here, but we had Brock Lesnar versus Cody Rhodes 3. They played the same hype video they played on Raw uh, here. I was really disappointed that, and I think it would have helped a later match to have the videos they played on Raw play here. Instead, they played this boring one, uh, basically telling their story over their first two matches and, and all of that. But a big part of this match, Cody and Brock, was like, 
Brock would beat the hell out of Cody and then dump him on the outside and try to take a count out. And then Cody would stretch things to a nine count and then jump into the ring. Then Brock <laughs> would get pissed and, like, slam him against the post. He'd stretch it to the nine count and jump back into the ring. Then Brock would get even more pissed, hit him with a suplex, stretch it to a nine count, jump in the ring. Then he hit him with the F5 on the outside. And the whole time... Cole was like, stay down, Cody. You can't beat him. Like, you're going to kill yourself if you, keep, if you keep this up. Just stay down. And Cody wouldn't stay down, which, I mean, that would, wouldn't have been a great finish. He just looked at Cole saying that. He's like, you're, you know, Michael, you're right. I'm just going to lay here. I can't, I can't <laughs> Brock. You, you know? He, he crawls over to the commentary booth and shakes Cole's hand. And, like, Cole just pours some dirt on him, just buries him <laughs> softly. <laughs> yeah, yes, exactly. You're, you're just, you know, like I said, he just lays there. He says he just puts away. He cries. Maybe you have him cry at the end. <laughs> you know, he's he's got that Kaito Kiyomiya push going on right now. If that happened, but instead he he never said die. He fought back. Uh, the crowd got into this uh, in there, and uh, they did some stuff where Cody grabbed the steel steps. And attacked him with this blatant weapon <laughs> to it right in front of the referee's vision, but the referee let it slide. It was playoff rules, as they say in AEW, I guess here. <laughs> Even though nothing was on the line in this match, but whatever, it was playoff rules. Uh, they came in. Uh, Cody did this wild, like, double jump into the, the Cody cutter off the top rope. Uh, then they did, traded the Kimura locks. I kind of thought that was going to be the finish. Like, uh, Brock was going to tap out for the first time in his career. But instead, he said, "Nah, screw that." Uh, they they re they called back to the the first match in Puerto Rico where they tur- you know he flew off the tur- the top turnbuckle pack flew off. But in the end, Cody ended up hitting the three crossroads in a row, and Cody won. The, the crowd was into it. And then after the match, they look like uh, Cody or uh, Brock takes off his gloves, and they get head to head like they're about to fight again. But suddenly, Brock offers a handshake to him and this shocked memo and by, and by watching this like she was like brock <laughs> showing respect <laughs> what the fuck uh on there so this surprised everybody they said they claimed afterwards that this was a shoot uh handshake that wasn't planned here and cody did look did a great job of looking surprised if that happened and uh he raised his arm and i'll give this match this this match made cody look like a superhero at the, at the end of it pretty much so like yeah so, what do you no, think? Totally. Um, okay, so I'm just going to say it right now. I think I said on the pre-show, but I am not a Cody Rhodes fan. And I think that these types of mass- matches are absolutely catered to hardcore Cody Rhodes fans. <laughs> so I think in that sense, like, you know, if you – like, he is – you know, undoubtedly one of the company's top baby faces. If you identify with him, if you love him, awesome. I'm happy that you got this match because it definitely made him look like a superhero. Um, for me, like the, the best way I can explain this match is Brock Lesnar is me when I'm playing a wrestling video game and Cody is like the undertaker on legendary mode. And I'm just like, fuck, I gotta, I can't pin him. So I've just got to hit him with multiple finishers on the outside and hope he stays down. And then it's just like total finisher spam. And I think when it's like, 
it's very much like maximalism, right? Like a blockbuster Fast and the Furious film in terms of let's get all of our shit in. Let's explode as much as we can. Let's tease every moment. Every single thing is a nine count. Every move is a finisher. Like Cole is about to bust his larynx being like, stand out, Cody. And it's like every single thing that's happening at this specific moment is telling me Cody Rhodes is not going to do it. But because I watch wrestling and like, you know, I know who Cody Rhodes is in his character. It's like there's no tension for me because they're all like hammering it down my throat so much that I'm just like, he's going to bounce back, you know, and then he did. Um, so I feel like the the sort of um, wild like attention just paid to all of this stuff. I'm like, and again, that's just Cody matches, right? It's that sort of unbelievable resilience, like a super Cena um anything like that but yeah i mean i th- i thought the moment between brock and cody at the end was cool it's always interesting to see real life moments like that um but i'm pretty happy this feud is over um and i would say too like i'm much i'm much more much less of a brock lesnar fan than i am a cody fan like i don't enjoy brock lesnar matches i don't enjoy finisher spam like to me it's starting a song off with a breakdown it's like what are you breaking down um and yeah i don't know i feel like if brock goes over 10 minutes people are like willing to throw him roses but uh yeah this didn't do much for me i'm sorry (laughs) don't apologize because i'm kind of with you on this especially about brock i'm totally with you like i said I liked the Omos match at WrestleMania because it was something different than the same old crap we usually get from him. This was like the the combination, like the hurricane met the tornado of Cody versus versus Brock match here. And because we saw it here with all these count-out teases, it drug on and on. I, I wasn't a big fan of the early going. I thought when they got around to the stuff, I liked the callback to the first match. I also think that a big problem with this whole deal between these two, this feud really has no, it's, it's so obviously a meta feud, right? This is going to keep Cody tied it over until he can get to back to Roman. Like this is going to waste three months of time to do TV and pay-per-view matches. There's no real reason why they're feuding. Like they never really explained why Brock <laughs> turned on Cody in the first place. And I think that was a big part of this whole storyline that was missing. Uh, why did he shake his hand at the end? Why did he attack him in the first place? <laughs> like, you can't earn respect when you don't even know why you didn't have respect in the first place. Like, for example, in Mass Effect 3, <laughs> one of my favorite characters is All Javik. Right. Uh, and at the start of the game, you meet Javik, and he looks down on everybody. Like, your whole crew, it doesn't matter if you're a human like Ashley or a freaking uh, Turian like Garrus. He hates all the new species because he's like from the past extinct species that they brought back after a million years or whatever. So when you go up, you offer to shake his hand, and he doesn't shake it. He just like shakes his head at you. But at the end of the game, before the final fight, he offers his hand to shake. Like that's a, an easy story. Like they called back to something. We know why he didn't respect you at first, and then you had to earn it to get his handshake. With this, yeah, he shook his hand at the end, but there was never any reason given for Brock to be like Javik. And he's not as good of a promo as Javik either. We still don't know why he attacked Cody. Like, (laughs) 
exactly. <laughs> so this whole feud is like a moot point to me, like because there's no reason for this. I'm all for great drama and overthinking and all that stuff if there's purpose for it. This was much more the artificial kind, you know, the why am I so violent type of thing. Like Cody's kind of an expert at that, it seems like. But to me, this was kind of like, yeah, you, know, you look at the ratings. This didn't even hit for everybody at the end of the day. Uh, this had a 6.89 rating on 409 votes on Cage Match. Uh, there were some tens, there were some zeros in here, but a lot of sixes and a lot of sevens. You know, and I think that's about where I would have it. You know, the the end of it was probably better than the sum of its parts, but I still would think this is more like a three-star type of match to me or a six out of ten in the cage match world. Not like a, a complete failure, but not a success either. Yeah, I would, um, like on ratings, because I'm a, I'm a big fan of ratings. I love yes. making lists and all that. Like Logan Paul Ricochet, I give that a three. I think like three is like, you know, that's good. I enjoyed watching it. It's probably something I won't go back to. For Cody and Brock, where it's like they are good wrestlers, you know, the crowd is into it, but it does nothing for me in the long run. Like, because yeah. I try to view it like a little objectively outside of myself. I'm like eh, two and a half, I would say, because it's like it's there for me, but it's not like offensively bad. Like a evil and Shingo Takage uh, G1 climax match. <laughs> yes, uh, that. Father that is fuck. A, yeah, that. that <laughs> was a lot worse than anything <laughs> on this show, so uh, we will say. Uh, there, uh, one day I will talk about that on the Eastern Larry, and I don't know if I'm prepared mentally to get, get into Shingo and Evil at the moment, uh, but I will shout out uh, one of the inmates like Cage Match. I looked at the reviews, and I saw, I saw a funny line, so I want to shout out Greater Dale here for this. As he mentioned in his review, uh, I laughed a bit at Cody going for the Kimura because, like, when's the last time Brock tapped out? Maybe like 1910 to Frank Gotch or some shit, which is about, about right, I would say. Uh, if Frank Gotch was transported to today, he, he could tap out Brock, but I don't think any of the modern wrestlers could. They don't have his acumen, but, uh, yeah, like this is, this is kind of like a three star match to me. There was parts I liked and parts I didn't like, uh, but nothing that will stick with you, uh, overall. And the other one I might rate like three and a quarter, you know, like pretty, pretty much. So we're kind of more or less on the same page, uh, there. But yeah, Cody got the handshake. That was the best part of everything because it made Cody look like a great baby face at the end. And uh, Cody moves on to we don't know what yet. He kind of had uh, Seth Rollins bickering at him and being annoying for an episode, but they turned away from that. And I'll talk about who will face Seth next uh, after this next match we will have. Um, the Slim Jim Battle Royal. So they announced that the winner of this would get the commercial for Slim Jim, which what do you think aired immediately after this? Was he even out of the ring at the end of this when they aired that commercial? How did he film this? This is one of those things where it's like they didn't have to say that, right? Like yeah. they didn't have to. They could have just been like, yeah, it's a Slim Jim Battle Royal. And then L.A. Knight wins and he's like, yeah, you think this is cool? Check this shit out. And then he plays the ad. But instead they have to be weird. Like that's the thing. That I don't get about a lot of the stuff that and this isn't all of wrestling, any sort of scripted media, right? Um, granted WWE tends to do it a lot more than others, but like 
you don't have to say certain things, right? It's like when a celebrity sits down in an interview and they're like, hey, how's your day going? And they're like, I think math is fake and I haven't showered in 25 years. And it's like, what? You don't have to say these things. Like, you know, like you're just making it more complicated, more convoluted. And um, yeah, I mean, I'm uh, sorry. I'm very happy LA Night won. I think it was the right decision. Um, but yeah, no clue with uh, the whole, oh, they win the commercial i guess because then bianca's in it too but she didn't have to do shit for it which yeah. good. bianca shouldn't have to <laughs> well, that, that's right bianca gets special treatment she, she's yeah. awesome to have she's to, the est that's right the est of slim jims no i guess the slim jimist no but i like the commercial actually like that might have been the best part because you had the tribute to macho in there macho man mm-hmm. uh, they had him in the tv in the background you had la night and bianca there i'm all for that i just I mean, it was a battle royal. There's nothing really to say about it. I, Gable tried hard. I mean, he, he was my, the guy I wanted to win, but they did They did us good. Our picks in the battle royal didn't win the battle royal, but they got huge pushes the next night on Raw. So uh, Gable and, and Nakamura. So uh, that's good. Uh, and J.D. McDonough, who was like the first person eliminated <laughs> by Oma. So great buildup to his push that happened on Raw there. But, yeah, it was a battle royal. I don't really have anything to say about it, really. It was well done. It's um, it's someone you know who doesn't watch weekly. These are always fun because I'm like, who's the guy? I'm like, oh, Karrion Cross is back in the WWE. And it's one of those it? moments. Oh, Cameron Grimes is on the main roster, right? And um, okay, I will say I'm not going to be super harsh on this because I heard that Raw apparently was very good at featuring the supporting cast and kind of reintegrating a lot of these guys who were thrown out of the battle royale like just total pieces of meat by almost yes. um so also shout out my friend wendy who continuously thinks that almost his name is cosmo because they'll text us and be like is cosmo wrestling and it's the funniest thing to me um but yeah like there was it it first in this battle royale it just seemed like you know if there's takeaways let's make almost look strong put la night over and then that was like pretty much it. Austin Theory got like a little showcase, but again, in classic Austin Theory fashion, it was forgotten pretty much <laughs> immediately afterwards. Um, but yeah, good for LA Knight. I honestly thought that they were going to, um, like the Seamus thing with the monster truck, um, was a good red herring in the sense of I was like, oh, maybe they'll turn Seamus heel here. You know, he got that monster truck intro, and then they're going to make LA Knight into like the Kenta Kobashi of capitalist pro wrestling matches, right? Like, <laughs> oh, he got so close in the Mountain Dew Pitch Black and it's so close in the Slim Jim. Will he win the Tushi Bidet Battle Royale at Survivor Series? We do not know yet, but let's hope so. Um, and yeah, he got the win here. You know, it's one of those things where you do it for the live crowd and the live crowd ate it up. So good for them. Listen, my friend, first of all, shout out, uh, shout out to Wendy. Uh, you know, they're giving some good things for you. Give bringing back the fairly odd parents with Cosmo and Wanda right now. I feel, I feel like, you know, so I, I got to respect that. Uh, but you, you, my friend are bringing your, your reputation up to a new level. Look at these references you're making right now. Look at last <laughs> week when you compared Brock Lesnar to Ridley Scott. You oh, me, my God. I you tell me one other show that you're going to get that kind of content on, ladies and gentlemen. But Nello is bringing it to you right now, and that's why we, we love them so much right now. I'd give you a big old hug if you were in the room with me right now. Uh, but, but uh, yeah, like you said, 
<laughs> it was traditional big guy, dominant early on, then everybody teamed up on him uh, to end. Uh, what they gave like Grayson Waller a little bit of a rub here. Uh, he did his flip uh, thing, <laughs> like flip into the stunner, but it was also teamed up with Miz, and they were like, "Oh yeah, me and Miz, we we like each other." I'm like the only guy who actually likes Miz <laughs> on this show. Uh, <laughs> But yeah, LA Knight won. Uh, huge pop. I mean, the crowd loved it. Like you said, totally good decision overall. And on Raw, they had Miz and LA Knight go back and forth in a promo segment. And you know, Miz was. I'm not a. I'm not a huge fan of Miz's promos, to be honest, because it always comes across like he's. He's like the. He tries the hardest of anybody, but nothing ever feels natural with him. So he was doing this rant, getting red in the face, talking about he, he's the veteran of the locker room, which is kind of funny <laughs> to think about. And LA Knight had a great promo back as well, uh, as well. So he got a great promo segment. You know, he said, they came, like, you did all that stuff because you were easy. You were a guy that was easy to slap around. And when they threw you out of the locker room, you just took it, but they couldn't throw me out of the locker room because I would have whooped their ass uh, or something like that. Uh, and it was a great promo uh, at the end of the day. LA Knight did a great job. And that's what he brings to the table. <laughs> like, he's not a guy that's going to give you a five-star match, but he can cut good promos. You get the LA Knight catchphrase super over. Uh, so, you, you you know, he's a good guy. The crowd's really behind him right now. It was a good pick to, to win. I'm fine with these, like, mid-card battle royals, to be honest. It's something very easy. Like, how, how can you screw up a battle royal? I love a geek battle royal because it's always and it's just fun. Like when you see um JD McDonough get eliminated within like a minute, it's it's a good feeling, honestly. Um and then getting to the end, I like what I like about battle royals is that it's almost like a real time shifting cast system and the sense of like, you know, the people thrown out first, who gives a shit? And then your final four, I feel like it always says something about the current trajectory of the company right and in this one it was god reed gable knight or no knight seamus aj and reed. and reed yeah and i mean i think like it's for me like that's a fascinating surface to just kind of study and be like okay so let's see where we're going to move forward and then if these pieces connect tomorrow or whatever um but yeah i always love a good geek battle royal I hope LA Knight beats Austin Theory. Fuck, that's what they should do. Is are they, are they on the same show? Well, we thought they were, but LA Knight was on Raw last night, so I don't know if oh Knight's on Raw or, or SmackDown. He was a SmackDown guy, but we'll see. Theory is facing Santos Escobar on oh, Friday for right. the title, so uh, hopefully he just loses the title to anybody. I think would be would be better at this point, I would say. But yeah, yeah, average Austin, not giving us a lot to. To sink our teeth into, uh, no surprise for us. <laughs> yeah, yeah, that's that's what I call him. I would say, like the the most five out of ten wrestler who ever existed was Austin Theory. I would say, uh, but yeah, LA Knight, great promo, super over Santos. I love. I'd love if they give the LWO something per- personally, but I know LA Knight's the hot guy right now, so they're doing a good job with him. Uh, like that, when he gets a big moment like that, that's going to be a huge deal. I would say. So they did some good stuff there, but hey. Reed, he was in the final four here and then immediately lost on Raw. But the person he lost to is going to go for the title next. So that's that's very good. Uh, we'll talk about that when we get to the Seth match uh, uh, there. But first, we have to talk about something we all wish we could avoid. 
Ronda Rousey versus Shayna Baszler as they come in there. They kind of clipped up their interviews from Raw, but I wish they had shown the, the full thing. Uh, I think that would have helped out a lot more than that Cody video they played earlier. And they definitely, what they really should have done, what the hell are MMA rules in the WWE? Because there was a part in this that really took me out of this match, which is already, I liked what they were going for at the start. Like, you had, like, a legit shoot-style type of start here between these two uh, with different style of punches, different style of things. I enjoyed this as a fan, even though, it was doomed to this crowd at the end of the day. And you can see that they were never going to, first of all, nobody cares about either of these two characters. Secondly, this match is like totally the antithesis of that stuff we were talking about earlier with Cody and Brock. This Mm -hmm. is not what they're trained to like. This isn't rings or UWFI. So I like that they started out differently, but then at one point, Rhonda hit this big step up knee. That was kind of like the big high spot of the match, which was, a great spot. I mean, it looked really good. It gave her a legit black eye as she showed on Raw. But so she gets knocked down, and suddenly the ref starts like pulls her off and starts like <laughs> it wasn't even a standing count. Like that's not how MMA works. Like why? why what was stopping Ronda from going for the armbar after she knocked her down? Like what? What was this? Yeah. So I think the MMA rules in this case stood for maybe martial arts. Um, because <laughs> martial arts, yes. This made yes. no sense. And like, you know, I'm, I'm not going to blame Rhonda and Shayna for this because WWE has really fucked them over, right? Like, hey, you're tag team champions. And because we want to get this out of the way, right? Like we need to get here. We're just going to rush it, make it have make no sense, turn Shayna heel, even though everyone dislikes Ronda. So the feud is just going to be really weird. Then we're going to put him in an MMA rules match off like three weeks of a feud that should be way longer and put him on SummerSlam. It's just like this could have been a really good TV match if you build the show around the match, right? Like kind of – um like how they would do fight pit stuff or whatever, where, like, you build it, right? Why don't you show the audience what MMA rules is before? Um, like, that it feels, yeah, it feels like there was more thought put into Big Show versus Floyd Mayweather than these two, which is fucked. And, um, like, yeah, like, have Shayna do a match the week before on TV. Give us some kind of primer for what it is we're about to see. Because going in this cold, I mean, it was like, People either didn't care enough to watch or they did and they absolutely hated it because WWE has no concept of what MMA rules are or they simply just do not care. Because, yeah, like you said, anytime it was multiple times, I feel like where the ref or like doctors, whatever, check on Shayna and like push Ronda off. And I'm like, this isn't how this works. Like what? And then I think they said like it was um knockout or submission only, but then they both we're down and then the ref started a, a 10 count. And I was like, yeah. what the fuck? Where it's one of those things where like, this is not on their performers, right? They tried to craft a, a decently told story through a told story for this match. But like, it was within the constraints of a pro wrestling company that could give less of a shit about MMA, a pro wrestling crowd that most likely does not give a shit about MMA and just so many other factors, right? So 
you know, there was, like you said, the, the knee looked good, but other than that, it was just very hard to find anything to connect with or care about. But I will say this, this wasn't the worst match on the card to me. Oh, okay. I, we, we're gonna have a, we're gonna have to talk about some things later on, but I, 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 I think I, I think I may agree with you, actually. Um, so, that's what you said is perfectly summed up, and why this is such a tragic match. Because in my heart, I think both of these two, they put a lot of heart and thought into this match. Like, they wanted this to be really special and cool and put Shayna over. But it just all failed miserably for so many reasons that we described. Arguably, the biggest pop of the match was when they did a spot where the doctors or whatever rushed in to check on Shayna. And I thought they were going to stop the match there. And then uh, Ronda beat up the doctors, which is totally (laughs) – that's never happened in UFC, to my knowledge, uh, (laughs) they had here. Another part, too, they did like this MMA intro to the match where the ref was like, all right, I want a good, clean fight, girls. Like, you know, no flaws, follow my directions, blah, 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 like that kind of deal. And then at the end, he was like, touch gloves if you want. And then Ronda offered to touch gloves, and they made a big deal. They were like, Ronda's never offered to touch gloves in her whole career in UFC, but she did it for Shayna, but then Shayna rejected it. (laughs) So that kind of told you, nobody knows who the babyface or heel was. Yes. (laughs) Oh, my God. Yeah, it's just frustrating because it's like – WWE can be very rigid like they are and I think this is why Cody didn't work in AEW because in AEW like every wrestler is very oh my god like malleable in the sense of they go with the flow in terms of crowd perception right it's the reason why we get punk and or heel face punk in different places heel face MJF in different places right in WWE it's like hey, this is what we have you done on paper, so this is what you're going to do, and then if the fans don't like it, good luck, you know? And so they're still trying to tell this story that straight up doesn't exist, right? And it's just, yeah, very, very poor storytelling on the WWE's part. Yeah, I agree with that. And then it got worse for the for Shayna the next night as she turned face and heel uh, twice on the, sh- it's the same show, it seemed like. Uh, at first, she... Uh, she got in the face of Zoe Stark. Like Zoe's trash talking Becky, and then Shayna came out to fight her. And the crowd, she was like, "I sent Ronda packing," and the whole crowd chanted, "Thank you, Shayna." And so Ronda, having no fans, uh, she posted on her Instagram. She was like, "You're the reason I got into this business, and now I don't got no reason to stay." So Ronda gone. Uh, we kind of knew that already going in there. And uh, then afterwards, after beating up Zoe, Shayna turned to Becky and was like, uh, "I'm." coming after you next. So we still don't know if Shane is a babyface or a heel. Now going forward. It's really wild that Ronda Rousey leaving the women's division has absolutely no ripple effect whatsoever. (laughs) Right? Like her leaving is it has the same like Sonia Deville getting injured had more of a a ripple effect on the women's division. Yeah. It's what like I think this is gonna be one of those when we look back years from now, like Ronda Rousey, I think, is one of, like, the biggest failures in professional wrestling in terms of how hot you came in and how cold you came out. Like, and, you know, I don't think, I think a lot of it had to do with, like, her inability to simply accept what the crowd is doing, honestly. Like, her ego just sucks. (laughs) Yeah. 
that's all true, but uh, her career seems to be over uh, now, to be honest. In, in fighting, MMA, wrestling, I just I can't see a spot for her anywhere uh, anymore. I think it's time for her to go back to the farm or uh, <laughs> wherever like uh, her and her husband live. But, yeah. I agree with you. Like, to me, this wasn't the worst match on the show. Like, you know, I, I thought this had some – I liked the idea of it. It just the execution was so poor that you can't like it at the end of the day. So uh, we moved on from there. They gave the fake attendance number of 59,000. And then we talked about Gunther and Drew McIntyre. The big motivation of this match was Gunther's only a month away from breaking Honky Talk Man's record. Uh, for the Intercontinental Champion, which all but confirmed he was not going to lose this match, I, I would say. Uh, but they, I like this match. It wasn't as eye-catching as, say, Gunther or Sheamus versus Sheamus last year, or even the Triple Threat at WrestleMania, I thought was a great, great match. And this was still a very good, bordering on great match. Probably the best wrestling match of the night. But I thought they had a lot more in them that they could have done here. Maybe they're going to save that for future matchups. But, I mean, only 13 minutes here. And it was good. But we didn't really get to see the the high notes that they we know they can hit. And in the end, uh, they were fighting on the top rope. Gunther pushed Drew off. Drew landed, uh, landed crotch first on the ropes and bounced off. And that allowed Gunther to come in and hit the power bomb uh, for, for the win. So a good heelish win without being stupid. You know, like cheating or not some nonsense, like kind of what they were going for in the title match. But I thought it was a good match. Like I, I, the best thing on the show to this point, in my opinion. What, what did you think? Yeah, I mean, this was the best case outcome um, on the previous show. You know, I had talked about, oh, if Gunther wins, maybe he cheats to add the ripple into like him wanting to make it. Um, I'm happy they didn't do that. I'm happy that he just won. You know, um, the Claymore got me. Like that, and then the the coup de gras in the next match also got me. So those are two fun like little pops. But um, yeah, I think it's very rare that a WWE match goes in and everyone has super high expectations. Um, I feel like it's usually the opposite. And yeah, good match. I don't think a level of great, and I feel like you could kind of tell it in the opening, like just like the first few minutes. I was like they're not going to give us that match. And I don't know if Drew's going to fight Gunter again and if maybe they're going to, you know, expand on it. But I still think it was a good match. Um, but, yeah, it kind of felt like they were being held back, in all honesty. So, and it could be because they were followed by Rollins and Balor. But, yeah, um, I'm very, very happy Gunther retained. I really hope he breaks the world record just because – you know, how cool is it going to be to see in the history books Walter instead of Honky Tonk Man? Like, yeah. That's, yeah. <laughs> fuck, that's really nice. So a win for us. Hey, you know, I'm a distant, distant relative of the Honky Tonk Man. Are you really? Yeah. Oh yeah, my, my, gosh. Mo- my mother's maiden name is Ferris. Uh, oh, my, my gosh. Son. Yeah. Very distant. Like, like, I've never met this man in my life or I, he, we have no idea each other exists. 
uh, people, but that, that's a fun fact for everybody out there. I'm a legit a distant relative uh, to Honky Tonk Man, so uh, my my family lineage going down, uh, just like Trevor Harris getting injured in the CFL earlier this year. So uh, taking L's all left and right here for, for my family lineage. Are right you here. team? Are you team Tonk or team Gunther? Oh, definitely team team Gunther. And also, I, I hate uh, me and my family have a, a very checkered past, especially that side of the family. So <laughs> I, we will say that uh, I, I would. I'd, and ultimately, I'm the type of person. Even if I hate you as a person, like Logan Paul or CM Punk, you know, I, I just don't like what you represent, who you, how you act. I can still say you're a good wrestler. You know, like, I, I, I'm i not afraid to admit things, but he sucked. So, like, you know, Uncle Talking Man was a really bad wrestler. But do you think they'll bring Honky Tonk back for Gunther? Like, just to do something, just a segment to try and stop him, maybe sing a song, maybe something like that, some goofy stuff that Gunther just destroys Honky Tonk Man at the end. That's what I want to see. Oh, my God. That would – it would certainly be Bizarro World, Corey – yes that would be a fever dream i'm for it yes that this is what i'm voting for um as i said earlier they set up a program with gunther and chad gable which will be awesome we saw the match last week was already great and will only get better uh from how things played out last night that was one of the highlights of the show uh ludwig's getting his own storyline as well kaiser uh he's trying to hit on uh maxine dupree now as well but i I think Wade said, uh, Wade Barrett on commentary was like, uh, Kaiser has the, all the game of Michael Cole here. So, uh, <laughs> no love for Kaiser. And, but he did get slapped as well. So he, he's, he's losing right now. He's taking L's. He, he, he did get a win though on the show. So Kaiser, they continue to push as well. We talked about that before that we wanted to see. Uh, Imperium fight together. Like, that would be a great storyline arc they could do. Like, all three of them face off. Uh, I would love to see that, but they're really giving Kaiser a push right now, which I appreciate. Kaiser's awesome. So, uh, I'm all for that. And Gunther's awesome as well. So, we get good stuff going ahead for for him. Drew, there was that rumor that he didn't re-sign. Uh, so, we don't know if his contract's coming up or what he's going to do, but he wasn't on the show at all last night. And he's a guy you ideally would want to see doing stuff going forward so i don't know what his future holds hopefully they can get back to this because i do think they have a great match in them and this fell short of that but it was still really good though and i and i enjoyed watching the next match we had was the world title match finn balor versus seth rollins they told the story of what happened in 2016 great video package uh between them uh showed him laughing at finn when he had to give up the title and Finn earnestly looking de- depressed. Finn came out with seven uh, written on his shoulder and marker, like right where the injury was. A uh, very cool little callback there. Seth came out with the same, uh, like his old school jacket that he uh, vest that he wore with the crosshair on it. Uh, they said it's the same one he wore in 2016. Uh, so I like the story. Like they really went all in to make this feel like this match is special for this particular show. And I really appreciated that. I thought they did a great job. Uh, they even had some callbacks in the match with Finn doing the powerbomb into the the guardrail that hindered him seven years ago. I thought that was cool. And then it all built up to the story they've been telling over the last month, which is Judgment Day not being on the same page. And so Damian Priest came out, 
and that basically had everybody, uh, you know, talking about this. And, you know, then all of them came out. All four of the Judgment Day came out, and they were there. Uh, Priest came out with a briefcase, but Finn saw him and was pissed. It was like, what are you doing? Are you trying to cash in? And Priest was like, no, you use the case. Like, hit him with it. Like, you can win. And then uh, Finn was like, so, uh, screw that. So he stopped that. They all got involved in it. Seth hit a, a thing on Dominic. He hit the stomp on the outside, but Priest said, all right, I got this. So he slid the, the briefcase in on one side of the ring, and then he walked around the other side to distract the ref. But then uh, Finn was going for the briefcase, and Seth hit the stomp on him, and that got the win. So Priest, afterwards, we got a great shot of Priest just shaking his head in disappointment at Finn, which was awesome <laughs> in, my, in my book. What would you think of this? Um, Good match. Again, like the the coup de gras um, really made me think when Finn was winning. Yeah, um, I think the story was great. Like this just makes so much sense, right? Um, everything about this, it like I mean, it's wild to think that was seven years ago. Because <laughs> I'm yeah. like, damn, what has Finn done on the main roster for seven years? And then I, I guess he went back to NXT NXT for a while, but still, um, like. Uh, okay, one of the things that stuck out to me that I just thought was so funny is when Finn came out, Michael Cole thought that Finn got seven tattooed on him. Because he was like, he said something like, Finn Balor tattooing his body to forever remember the seven year or the seven years that it's been. And I was like, dude, that is not a tattoo. That looks like someone wrote that with marker. Like, it's a. Yeah, they did, probably. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, like 2 a.m. tattoo in someone's living room if he got it. But, like, as good as the match was with all of the Money in the Bank shenanigans, I really can't tell you any difference between this and their last match. Um, Like, with that sort of booking, it very much just felt like a repeat. And I think it's very unfortunate that this perfect story with all of this history had to be completely dominated and then decided by this money in the bank briefcase. Like I understand there's the judgment day feud, there's all this, but it's just one of those things where in wrestling, right. in any kind of thing where you write it, you can write it to be whatever you want to be. The only time you write yourself into a corner is if you tell yourself that. So if they're trying to do dissension amongst the judgment day, if they're trying to create tension between Finn and Damien, there's a million other ways you can do that, right? I think the perfect example of this, and I, I cite this in like classes that I teach actually, but MJF and John Moxley's world title feud, um, like the original one. And MJF's whole thing is that at the end, he gets Moxley to sign the contract saying, you cannot use the paradigm shift in the match. And MJF's all stoked, and then Moxley starts cracking up, and MJF says, what, what, why are you laughing? And Moxley says, because now I get to think of a million other ways on how to end your life. And that, to me, is the greatest thing that you can get in as an artist, is a constraint like that sometimes, because it's like, okay, this is the story we need to tell, right? Balor and Damien. But we need to respect the fact that Seth and Balor have so much history, and they have this story to tell. So how can we marry these two concepts, right? And they did it in a really awful way. Where I feel like this, the, the main part of the story wasn't Finn trying to overcome this seven year itch, like this trauma and him battling Seth. It was just, we, it's like Tai Chi's pants. We know the match isn't ending until Tai Chi's pants or Damian Priest comes out with the money in the bank. So everything up until then is kind of tensionless. 
And then yeah. once Priest comes out, it's like, okay, now we're just waiting for the briefcase to play into it. And people will talk shit about DDT and all these things, but I'm like, at least DDT makes their, their, uh, objects feel important and not just like the object is like, Hey, we just need this to make this whole fucking match work. You know, like, man, I'd rather see Hiroshima wrestle one of those dolls, like the little ones he just did or whatever, than like have another briefcase come into play ever again, because it's just the same shit. Um, but yeah, no, okay. All of that said, good match. Um, I think that this was the best match on the card. Probably I'd give it like a, Three, 3.25. And uh, yeah, like again, like for me, it's when I watch a great match, right? It's something that I can connect with and tap into. If I'm constantly like having the sense of looking over my shoulder, waiting for Damian Priest, I'm not really enjoying the match. I'm just waiting for the, the next scene, you know? Yeah, that's a great point. And this was the highest rated match. Uh, cage match, uh, 8.28 there, which isn't, you know, for a WWE show, you would expect the main fans to go crazy and be like 9.5 or something like that. Same thing with like a lot of the New Japan matches too, like the top one to get crazy high ratings. So this probably wasn't viewed as a top one, but it was the best match on the show. Only one other match got above 8, uh, which was Guter Drew right at 8 right now. So, uh, you know, I like what you said too. I think a lot of times... In wrestling, do you want to tell a great story or do you want to fall back on your tropes? Because that's mm-hmm. kind of what this match was. They could have told a great story because you had a really, like, good real-life thing here with the seven years, seven-year itch they brought up. Uh, the And, like, Finn's reasons for completely justified, that's something that was missing in my opinion, was uh, Seth kind of addressing why did he laugh at him after he injured him and, and ruined his title reign, because that was such a dick move for your top babyface to show, and they never really addressed it. I, I wish they had said something that, like, hey, I changed from then. I wouldn't do that now. Instead, they just kind of was like, you know, the big promo going into this was Seth saying, well, even if you win, Priest is going to cash in on you. You know, so, like, most of this match was about Priest and Finn. When it, like you said, it should have been about them, like these two, and their real-life feud with each other. They did the stuff. They did the interview where Seth mentioned that he Finn trained his wife to wrestle. Like, there's so much they could have played with that they left off the table. Yep. And it's like, you can do these storylines separate at the same time, but that's asking a lot, right? Um, yeah. Can Finn have tension with Damian Priest backstage can maybe having their own stuff in tag matches while Finn is battling Seth and having his own thing with Seth. It's like this notion that, you know, in real life, like we have conflicts with individuals, right? Right. And it's like in WWE, it's like your conflict has to encompass every person you have a conflict with. <laughs> what the fuck? <laughs> yeah, that's true. So they, they tried a little bit of that, but uh, it was a good match, though. Like, I thought this was better than their last match. The crowd was more into it. And at least we felt like we got a a reasonable next step in whatever's happening with Judgment Day. And the next night, basically, they came out where, pre, you know, first of all, Cody came out and was saying how he wanted, Ro- you know, he was saying, you know, he was acknowledged. So they kind of teased him to go after Roman. And then Seth was like, hey, what about my title? Like, you know, I got a world title, too. Don't you want that? Like, you know, <laughs> I, I hate you, but go on. 
And then Je- Judgment Day came out and was like, you know, we run Raw. And then Finn attacked Seth afterwards. And then after that, they sent him in an event. But Finn was like backstage, and Priest was like, hey, why did you attack Seth? We didn't. That wasn't a part of the plan. And Finn was like, well, you didn't follow my plan on SummerSlam. And then, and then J.D. McDonough was there, and they were like, uh, this guy needs to buzz off. And Finn was like, hey, I've known this guy for 20 years. And so J- and then J.D. jumped Sami Zayn to ruin the main event uh, afterwards. So they're teasing something with maybe uh, J.D. and Finn splitting off from the Judgment Day, which I think is a good kind of way to move Finn away. And it's a good push for a young guy because he's kind of like – Instead of usually in this situation, he'd be like – kind of like Dominic was for a long time where he was the rookie guy that would just take beatings. Instead of that, he's kind of a manipulator. Like he's ruined – like he's insidiously ruined Judgment Day by like manipulating Finn to leave because he kind of had a little line at Priest where he was like, if you ask me, Priest, that briefcase is ruining the Judgment Day, so you should just get rid of it. So he just wants Priest to just like throw it in the trash. Like, you know, Benoit with the WCW title when he when he left. Uh, he just wants to just, like, walk out of the building, just leave it in the trash and never never remember his title <laughs> shot. But, uh, yeah. So they've got stuff going on there. But Seth, and Seth, he is facing Nakamura for the title next. Uh, awesome. That's, that's, the, that's the program they set up. Nakamura turned heel on Seth afterwards. And uh, basically, you know, because, like, Nakamura earlier in the night beat Bronson Reed in a singles match to wrap up their feud, and he won clean. It was a good match, and then uh, Sammy got attacked by JD and injured. He had this like uh, golf ball sized thing on his elbow. It looked disgusting, uh, but it's not that uncommon for wrestlers actually. But uh, JD took Sammy out, and Seth was like, "I hate Cody." Seth, the whole show was really annoying, bitching at Cody all the time and acting like he hated him. And Seth was like, I can't trust Cody. It's going to be one on three. And then Nakamura walked up and was like, if you need help, I've got your back. And Seth was like, I've always loved you and respected you, Nakamura. I Like, this never came up on TV before. But he was like, oh, yeah, like, you're a legend. I love you and all this. And then when he walked away, they showed Nakamura, like, looking super evil into the camera. Even Mamma saw it right away. She's like, oh, he's going to turn on Seth at the end. It was, like, super obvious. And then he just hit him with a Kinshasa at the end of the night and just walked off while the crowd. God bless that it's a Kinshasa. God, I can't talk. And not a, just a low blow like before. Oh, yeah. Like, they, they basically won the, the main event. It was three on three, and their team won. And they all posed in different corners. And then uh, Seth, as soon as he jumped off, Nakamura ran at him and hit him with the Kinshasa and then walked out of the ring. And Sam and Cody were like, what the hell was that? And Nakamura, yeah, Nakamura just walked off. And he got good heat. Uh, good little push for Nakamura there uh, to see that. So that's a that's a fresh challenger. That's something I didn't expect for the title. Yeah, that rules. But something we did expect, because we both predicted it, was the cash-in of the women's money in the bank, which happened in the next match. Asuka, Bianca Belair, and Charlotte Flair. It all came down to they did an injury angle with Bianca in the match, but she ran in at the end. And they did this really stupid finish where uh, Charlotte had Bianca in the figure eight, which should have been a tap out based on the injury, but they had to do it because Charlotte can't take losses. So they did the figure eight. Asuka crawled into the ring and hit her with the mist and broke that out, but somehow, for some reason, just stupidly walked it up to Bianca, and Bianca locked in an inside cradle to steal the title and win, and that set up EO coming in. 
Bailey uh, beat the crap out of Charlotte with the briefcase, and then hit Oscar with the briefcase. Hit uh, EO hit Bianca with the briefcase. Hit the moonsault. One, two, three. Uh, so first off, before we get to the cash, what did you think of the match between the three? Here. So strange. Um, oh, I <laughs> like, hated that finish. I okay, so I legit thought Bianca was hurt, just because I thought Graves sold it really well. They did a great job selling that injury. Great point. They really did because Graves leaned into it on like, look, let's not fucking put the cameras on her. She's hurt. Let's watch the match in the ring. And I thought that was really effective. Um, like I just, uh, I really thought Graves' performance was strong here. So was Bianca. Like when they did the replay and right when she lands and you just hear it, she's like, fuck. And I was like, oh my God. And yeah. I felt legit bad. And I was like, Damn, dude, that sucks. And then when they were doing the whole walkout, I think that's when like the the illusion started to crumble because I was like, oh <laughs> shit, she's coming back. And um, you know, it's one of those matches where everyone hits their spots, but like it all exists to get to EO, right? So I don't know, like the the whole ending. I just I don't know who comes out looking good in this match other than EO because like Oscar hitting sharp like Bianca looks like an insane beast like in yeah. terms of like just unbeatable right like titanium knees was in the figure eight all this stuff and then she pinned B- uh, Oscar while she was still in it which was an insane pin but it's a cool visual but I'm like shit man we just ruined Asuka again. I mean, maybe like you had suggested, right? She needs to reset or whatever, but like, it's so sad that (laughs) she feels like the biggest afterthought in all of her title matches and title reigns ever since she came to the main roster. Like the only time she's had a title reign where like she actually felt like a champion is when she was tag team champion with Kyrie. Um, and yeah, I mean, I'm super, super happy for EO. I thought it was so awesome. Uh, Michael Cole actually had my favorite call of the night here. And it's one of those little things that I think makes it so special. But from world of stardom to the top of the world, I thought was a really beautiful line. Um, because just paying respects to like where they came from and as us as fans who have watched EO since then, right? Um, and like, okay, so, but they gave Bianca the championship reign, just another one, like just a drop in the hat. And now Asuka's not like the previous champion anymore. So are they going to do Io Bianca, Io Asuka? I mean, did, did they kind of lay any sort of path for that on Raw? No, no, that this is a, this was the only SmackDown match outside of the main event on the card. So they didn't really do anything oh, okay. for that. We'll see what they do on SmackDown. But how are they going to get to where they need to go now? Because Asuka, again, heel in name only, kind of, because nobody was booing her over Charlotte when they were wrestling. But she was a heel. Bianca had shown signs of a heel turn. Is that next now, after this heroic performance that they had? Is damage control heels? Or are they babyface? Where are they going to... How are they going to work this out? It's a lot of moving parts right now. You had Dakota come in, too. Uh, she's injured. Uh, afterwards, you had a great moment. They, had, they looked really good at the press conference. Uh, they got really good rave reviews. So it looks like they may be baby faces 
<laughs> going for like damage control. They kind of alluded to that. I don't know though. They could go either way. It's it's WWE, but one thing I think would be smart. And I mentioned two on the last episode in the preview. I hate one-off title reigns. Like you know, you win it just to lose it right away. I'm never a fan of that, and I obviously wasn't here either. And I think it would have just been a lot better. If they had done something where maybe Charlotte had cost Bianca, or vice versa, this match, and Asuka could have gotten the sneaky win, you could have had EO cash in on Asuka because it's, considering her press conference that she had, many people think Kyrie is coming back to WWE. And the natural story coming out of this would be for Kyrie and Asuka versus Bailey and EO. Like for, yeah. You could carry four months with that easy. Uh, of those teams going at it in different combinations. You could have guys or girls going for the title there. Uh, you could do a lot of great things with that, and I think Kyrie will be a welcome return for Asuka especially. Uh, I just, I'm just i not a fan of how they've used her at all during this latest run. It feels like she came in with some such fanfare. The look is amazing, but when you take away who she was before, I think that really hurts her. and Because people aren't going to boo her. But they just become they've become ambivalent towards her. It kind of feels like like in this match she wasn't very over in my opinion, uh, and I don't think that's really her fault. It's more so how they've done the storyline and how they've used her. And it's clear to me that Charlotte should not have been involved in any of this. Uh, I wish that they had just done a singles match or had somebody else then because like Charlotte is death, and I thought she was really bad in this match. <laughs> if you notice, she was calling some spots. Cena level here, you know, like you, you know, in this match, trying to move people around, direct traffic, and she sucks at that, so it kind of drugged down the match. Uh, I thought, I just thought it was a, a miss as a match, but the cash in was great. Obviously, that's what everybody will remember. So it's no harm, no foul, really. Other than where will they go from here? But it was less offensive than what would happen uh, in, the, in the next match. Like they have a lot of questions to answer uh, coming in on SmackDown. The SmackDown side is just full of goofy stuff right now, it, it seems like. And we saw that again. Finally, the main event, Tribal Combat, the Universal title, Jey Uso challenging Roman Reigns. They played the video, and they proceeded to give us 36 minutes uh, of this match here. Here is the problem. You could say the same thing you said about the other match, uh, Finn and Seth, but times 20 in this match. There was no way this was going to end until somebody ran out. And they still gave us 25 minutes of these two going at it. It's a pretty... I didn't think this was a great match anyway. Like, you know, like just when it was those two. I didn't... I really was not enamored with their work here. I thought that they didn't do a great job. Jay needed to bring a lot more fire... And for tribal combat, all the stuff, we spe- yeah, all the stuff we speculated on, this was a, a regular hardcore match. There was no- nothing to make this any kind of tribal combat that we see that we saw. What was tribal combat about this? I like part of me was like, you know what, maybe like because remember when the Usos came out and they used to do the haka dance? Yeah, I was like, um, maybe they'll do. Something like Jay will come out, right? Like he used to with the face paint, like, yeah. you know, the, the cultural, um, oh my God, the cultural connections of the match or implications, whatever. Um, man, there was nothing. This was, this is like a match that they, 
like that you're burdened to sit through on a house show. Like I can't it it's um God, like it's frustrating for me because I think WWE has it's like it's like um if people only watched Disney and Marvel films and never a different kind of movie, right? You're going to get used to that and you're going to think that's entertainment and that's the way things are supposed to be made. And then you're going to eventually start to get frustrated because even the shit you like doesn't stay good forever, right? Yeah. And then it gets to a point where then you do a Monday Night Raw where you just feature like five people who aren't Roman Reigns, Seth Rollins, or Cody Rhodes getting clean wins. And everyone's like, oh, my God, this is like a total tr- turning point. Like, I'm like, dude, these are the hallmarks of like a fucking abusive relationship. Like, <laughs> you know, straight up, like. Uh, it's frustrating. Nothing good happens. You're making excuses. You're making excuses. They do one single thing and you're like, oh my God. Yeah, no. See, and like, and I just, I'm so fucking over it. I think the bloodline is genuinely the worst thing going on in WWE. When Paul Heyman said that they're in the bottom of the third, consider oh, yeah. me to <laughs> fuck out, dude. Like, just kick me out of the game. I'm going to punch the up. I do not yeah. want to be in this stadium anymore. Safeco Field is no longer safe. Let's put it that way. Um, <laughs> I don't even think it's called Safeco Field anymore. Um, this is like community theater level acting. Like we talked about yeah. it before. All they do is chew their gums and shit. And like what sort of tension was in there that we haven't already experienced a hundred other times over in their other matches? Um, it was boring. It was just super, Yo. super boring. Like the match layout had more in common with um you know Bray Wyatt and LA Knight than something like uh Drew McIntyre and Sheamus from the Thunderdome. And in terms of just let's walk around and beat the hell out of each other, solo coming out, and then it's just like Roman doesn't even wrestle for half the fucking match. He's just sitting down and it's like solo attacking Jay and Jay fighting solo. And it's like I, I don't know. I'm not going to knock people for liking it, but I, I really think it's like a Stockholm syndrome. Uh, I've been <laughs> watching this for four years. And if I say it sucks now, then what am I going to do? So I'm just going to pretend it's really good. But like I, I saw in like some of our group chats, whatever people are like talking about, Oh, well it actually makes sense that Jimmy, because he doesn't want Jay to be the truck. No, tra- no, no, it's no. so bad. This is horrible when jay because when jimmy came out and he had the hood up i was like did they fucking finally get jacob fatu like who the fuck could it be like who's left lance and orange and fucking the end one like yeah zilla zilla could be the next <laughs> dude like i forget tonga loa doing the great leap over from the g1 to wwe just <laughs> turning coaches yeah oh my god that was the worst but um <laughs> it's and jimmy does the hood and I was just like, this is so like, I, I don't have words. Like I'm trying to think of something so mean to say, but I just don't, I can't find the words. And I also just don't want to put that energy out. But yeah, I would, I would legitimately give this match. I would give Rhonda and Sheena a one for trying. I would give this a straight up like negative one. I think that this <laughs> is, if you want to say worst fucking matches of the year, I think there's one that will always supersede the others, and that's Shaza McKenzie versus Danny DeMonto from uh, an ICW <laughs> No Holds Barred show. God bless their souls, but it just did not work out. Uh, the pitch black match with LA Knight and Bray Wyatt, 
And I would say that this is the worst match of the year because at least in the pitch black match, they had to work around the fact that the match is centered around Mountain Dew. And then the other <laughs> match, Joseph fucking McKenzie versus Danny DeMonto and ICW No Holds Park. This is your main program in WWE. This is the thing that they think is the best thing in the world. And to me, this is a detriment to pro wrestling because it's only going to convince people that this is pro wrestling and it's not. This is four fucking community theater actors crawling on the ground pretending they have a story to tell when in reality they have no idea what's happening, where it's going, or how the fuck to end it. So that's – okay, that's me. <laughs> no, you just spoke facts, and that's my big problem with it. <laughs> with Jimmy coming out – and I'm like you. I I was over these matches. I thought last month's tag match was such a, a chore to watch. I thought it was really bad. And that was after the one they did in Arabia with the Saudi Arabia with the the Sammy and Kevin. I thought that had a spark to it. You had an entertaining match with Roman and Solo versus those two. The crowd was super into Sammy there. Uh, you know that was a fun match to watch. And you, you got a good thing with Sammy and KO winning. The last month's match was just totally bore, boredom, like total boredom. And this match was even worse. I thought this was a terrible display. And when you hit the nail on the head, it's not even just them. When you say it's the bottom of the third, and then you have Jimmy turn on Jay, which was completely illogical, there is no, in, like, there's no plan for this. They're just <laughs> filling time. Like, that's yep. what this feud ultimately is. They're filling time on TV, and I will give them this. The ratings show that somebody is connecting with this. But I think – I honestly think we're going to look back in a few months, and this is going to be the point we tur- like we point at where things took a turn downhill, even for the ratings and the, the common man, pretty much, like the common fans – they're going to look at this and be like, okay, this is stupid. Why would Jimmy turn on Jay after they – Roman is the one who put him in the hospital. Like, this doesn't make any sense at all. It's clear they're just wasting time. We're going to play musical chairs turns right now. Who is going to turn on who next? It's all going to lead probably to all four of them facing each off in some kind of bloodline four-way uh, for, for the title. And that'll waste time until we get to Cody at WrestleMania uh, again. Like, that's what this feud is now. We're at the stage where – it's time wasting. Like they just want to get to WrestleMania, and they're dragging things out. And in the end, Jimmy and Jay will probably reunite. Maybe Solo will reunite with them. But we're just doing all kinds of stupid stuff to waste time. And that's what I don't like about this is that it's clear there is no big plan for this. It's just we're just trying to get through it. No, and, and that's what they've been saying for years too. Is we, they don't want to change the plan. What plan? Exactly. Like. <laughs> Yeah, they they had good plans, they had good endings, and now now this is where we're at. And again, to this point, they've been able to skirt by, and people have liked this well enough. But I'm looking at the ratings here on Cage Match. I mean, it's 4.74. Like, it's right on, you know, Shayna and Ronda did get rated worse, but I agree with you. I thought this match was offensively poor as the main event. And I don't even think they performed it very well either. Like I said, if if this is real life, you know, and somebody puts my brother in the hospital, <laughs> then I'm coming for you. Like, there's no doubt about it. Uh, Jay just didn't have that fire I think he needed 
for this role. And that's why this match drug on for so long. And that's why he didn't, because they had to drag this match out for 35 minutes before they got to it. But this should have been an attack. Like, as soon as Roman showed up on the ramp, Jay should have ran up, run up the ramp, hit him with something. Where was Rikishi? Like, where was Afa and Sika? Where, where were the elders? We still don't know who the elders are at the end of the day, so... I don't think they do either. Yeah, like, <laughs> who, they've never said who the elders were or why they've done this. Where are the elders? Where is my tribal combat? There is nothing tribal, and there is only vaguely combat in this match, I would say, but... Another thing, I think it would be a good idea, one of these matches, to do something a little different, because like we mentioned, we were all waiting for stuff to get screwed up eventually here in this match, people to run in and and all that. I think they should just, one of these times, and this was the perfect time for it, because at first I thought they said that nobody would interfere, and that was in the family, but I guess not. They went away from that, as they do a lot of their things. I think it would be smart, especially in a match like this, a no-DQ match. Why not just have Solo attack him right away? Like, the start of the match, it's two-on-one immediately. Like, no way... Like Because, realistically, if you're Roman, why even waste all of this time going one-on-one when you could have your henchmen attack right away? Like, have it be a five-minute match. Uh, it doesn't have to go five minutes. They could build just a real match out of it. But just start right away, two-on-one, no run-in. They're immediately stacking the deck, and you can get to where you want to out of that. Skip this 20 minutes of bullcrap we had to sit through. Yeah. No, and going off what you were saying about Jay needing to attack from the beginning, whenever this situation happens, I always think of the Miz and the Fiend's feud when, like, the Fiend went to his house and picked up his baby or whatever. And the Fiend's in the ring, and Miz comes out and does his whole entrance, and he just does his normal-ass thing, and it's like, you run in the ring and you beat that guy's ass, right? Like, that's what makes sense. And the thing is that this storyline seems to just ignore all sense. And again, I just want to shout out a couple other matches from this year that are infinitely better than this. Uh, (laughs) Cyrus versus Jun Saito from the first day of the Champion Carnival. Uh, Tongaloa versus Kenta from the G1. Much better matches. Um, (laughs) Sorry. Um, It's just like... The whole thing, too. Family can't be ringside, right? And then over half of the match is a two-on-one. Like, and much like you were saying in terms of they don't have a plan. And, like, to get back to Cody, what does Cody have to do with any of this, right? (laughs) That's a great point as well. Like, that's the thing is there's nothing to do. Like, if you want to bring Cody in here right now, it's like the last samurai, right? It's like, hey – Here's Tom Cruise all of a sudden, and he wants to be a samurai because he thinks he's capable. It's like, what the fuck? No, you're some random white guy. Go away. You do not belong here. It's like that same feeling now, you know? It's, I'm just fucking so, yeah. Like, to me, it's it's just at the point where some people are praising the fact that we'll get an Usos feud now. You know, oh, they've talked about how it's always their dream to have a feud. And it's like... What? Cool, but it doesn't fucking make sense here, and it's really bad storytelling still. You know, I it's it's like um, I want there to be world peace, right? But if that takes Thanos flicking his fucking fingers and killing half of the world, and that's <laughs> like, hey guys, it's really good we have world peace, right? Like we finally <laughs> got here. I'm really happy that we got world peace. It's like, no, this fucking sucks. It categorically sucks, objectively sucks, and the only reason that we're like okay with this is because we like have just become used to it 
you know? And I, I think like, and again, this is nothing on WWE, but if there is like a fan base that I think stays on their own show, right? It's going to be WWE or AEW. Like I would say your two like most casual American audiences do not, will not branch out as much, right? But then when you get people who maybe their primary promotion is Noah, like they're going to be watching, like that's me, right? I watch all the promotions, whatever. And I, I don't know, maybe this is totally unnecessary now for a ramble, but just like, yeah, it's, just speak your truth right now. Nello. Well, don't, don't <laughs> well, no, just, I wish people would be bold and daring enough to just look at different forms of art. And when I say art, I mean pro wrestling, because I think so many people are like, if WWE sucks then that's it to them. But I'm like, Dude, that's being like, well, the new Disney movie was bad, so I guess movies are over. And I just want to, like, pick them up and shake them and be like, do you know how many millions of filmmakers are out there? They're doing great works everywhere. <laughs> just Fuck, man. I don't know. It's just it's very sad and defeating for me when pro wrestling fans. Yeah, I don't know. I hated this match so much. <laughs> oh, this like this was easily the worst of his title reign. And there was a lot of stuff that I had problems with in the past during this title reign, but I thought this was the worst. And I really do think we're going to look at this as a jump the shark moment for a lot of people. Yeah. Uh, because this was just stupid. Like, like the finish was so stupid. <laughs> and to end it this way, it's obvious. It's like, okay, well, Jay can't win because they he can't win. Like, there's no logic behind it. It's just that they just don't want him to win. They don't want Roman to lose. A hundred percent. It reminds me. Okay, I would say the the last time I can remember it being this bad and stupid is Finn Demon versus Roman when the ropes oh, yeah. inexplicably broke. And again, it's like they do not explain this shit because they do not have a reason for it. Yeah, they, they don't have an explanation. Just, they yeah. just need like a deus ex machina with no fucking relevance to just help Roman win. And again, it's like I don't. Under, when you look at Gunther, right, versus McIntyre, why are they allergic to the concept of Roman winning a match clean? Yeah. What, what, like, what would that hurt? To me, Austin Theory is a stronger champion than Roman Reigns in this fucking promotion because at least he, like, wins matches sometimes. Like, Roman Reigns, like, literally, if you look at this match, I'm, I would love to make a super cut and just show all of the times of him just laying on the floor. Like, he doesn't seem capable of walking at times, much less wrestling. Like with the, the the little amount of shit he does, it just relies on other people. And to me, it's not like this is some champion. He's just a parasite, and it's not effective heat. It's just yeah. annoying. And it's like I want to be able to focus on other people in this company, but this storyline is like a dark shroud encompassing the entire promotion for me. And it's yeah. just making me not want to watch because it's one of those things where like, you know, before it was, you don't want to see people get called up from NXT to WWE. Right. And now because it's like WWE is just going to fuck it. And now it feels like WWE is NXT and Roman Reigns in the bloodline or WWE. Like if you oh, are yeah. not up there, then you simply just do not matter as much. And it's funny because everyone talks about the Usos and Roman and the bloodline, but if we did not have Sami Zayn in that program, what the fuck would have happened for the past year yeah. and a half? And would that program even have gotten that hot? Because up until Sami joined, Roman's reign was horrible. Like, yeah. it was just dead in the water. It feels like how it did now. And Sami injected life into it. And now they have jack shit to show for it, which, again, is classic WWE booking. Hey, we did something right, and instead of listening to that, and following that energy, we're going to do what we want. 
Yeah. It's just a shame. Like, everything you said was, like, facts to me. Like, there's no arguments to anything you said because you're at this point now, and like you said, no Sammy anymore. And I kind of was thinking about that, too. Because this sucks so much, and it's already been uh, said, it's the rumor is that Roman's not going to be around for the next month or two. Uh, so he's going to be gone for a while. They're probably going to do Jimmy versus Jay at the next show or whatever. The next probably big title match is probably going to be at Survivor Series with with Roman. And I was wondering, like, would they do a like, would they just try to do what they did last year and eject some heat of this, bring in Sammy back in, bring KO back in, bring Cody in? You could have a Survivor Series where you bring in Zilla or or Jacob, even though he's like a criminal. I don't know if they want him at this point, but uh, they bring in one of the other guys of the family. Uh, make a four versus four Survivor Series, have the distinct split off at Survivor Series to where, okay, Solo turns on Roman, uh, Roman takes the fall to Sammy or Cody or whoever, and then at Royal Rumble you have the four-way, like with uh, Jimmy, Jay, uh, Solo, and Roman, and then you could get back to probably Cody. Unfortunately, like you said, he doesn't really have the same... Uh, you know, the same investment in the story as they do, but it just seems like that's where they want to go at this mm-hmm. point. And you could do something there. And another issue with all of this, too, with all of that said, even if you want to bring in positives to this with the ratings or whatever, I still don't understand why do we need the title for this? <laughs> like, why, why couldn't we do this bloodline stuff and have the champion be somebody else? Be Seamus. Uh, be a young guy if you if you have somebody in mind. They're, SmackDown's such a bad show that they don't really push anybody <laughs> like that. Anybody could really be there. But maybe Lashley started his new faction with uh, the Street Profits. Have Lashley be a champion. You could ha- do so many things that elevate some other people and still do this stupid crap that you think is so great at the end of the day. Yeah, I think it's like a deeply American illness to like have your titles be props and not actually championships right like yeah. how many like your tag titles ftr holds them but literally only hangs out with cm punk mjf yeah. is in a tag program with fucking adam cole right like uh, we'll, we'll get to that, that, that yeah titles are like um they're they're used yeah i mean they're obviously this is a very known thing but it's like their devices less than actual championships that like are defended most of the time it feels like and i don't know that's why i stick to japan most of the time um but yeah at this point roman reigns i feel like fujita jr is going to start defending his fucking title more than roman is so and that's a very good thing honestly so i'm going to hopefully manifest that well I will say this. This show was better than the Glade show <laughs> that they had at the, at the Zuma Hall. That's the, the one positive I will say. But the finishing stretch, like the finishing match was so bad. And I personally didn't even like the women's match that much. Uh, like the cash-in saved it. And that was great. We're all happy for EO. Uh, she deserves a great call with the world of stardom to the top of the world. Stardom gave shout-outs to her on Twitter. It was a good thing. That's awesome, no doubt. Uh, Gunther, McIntyre, Seth Finn, Logan, Ricochet were all good matches. Cody and Brock, you could even say, uh, accomplished what it needed to. But there were some stinkers on this show, and the main event was the worst of them all. So I think that the rating right now on Cage Match for the show overall is a 6.67. 
Uh, it, it spares me a joke because I want to say uh, this this show was some satanic shit. <laughs> like it was almost six 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 rating a cage match, but they 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 avoided that, so I, I can't say that overall. <laughs> overall, but it was still not a good show. Uh, I, I thought this was an like thumbs in the middle, leaning thumbs down because the finish is so important. You want that closing match to be your best mm-hmm. thing, and I just don't like. We just didn't get that, in my opinion. So I, overall, for the show. I thought it was a, a, a miss, I would say. But I, that was good to it. I'm not going to hate on it completely, but it wasn't a good show, all in all. Yeah, um, uh, it was better than last year's SummerSlam. I think last year's SummerSlam was, like, my least favorite show of the year. You know, outside of the main event, there was nothing that I really hated. Like, I can't – the MMA, it's like, it's like a bowl of water on the floor. Just gonna go step on it, right? Like it's there yeah. already. But <laughs> like, I, yeah, yeah, it's it's really just Roman and Jay, and it's that sour taste left in the mouth by the main event, like you said. But again, that's not to discredit. There was a lot of other cool stuff that happened on the show. I do think that overall, WWE appears like it's on a better trajectory. But again, it's one of those things where it's so flippy floppy and wishy washy that it's like, okay, are they just? It, it mostly feels like they just give you like these little dopamine rushes, right, to string you along, like anything else, really. But um, I'm hoping for some lasting momentum for a lot of people coming out of this show and Raw. Like, again, I would love for Nakamura to get a title reign, but we'll see. And I think Gable taking down Gunther would be awesome. But so I, I guess this is all to say it feels like Raw is heating up and SmackDown is just being held hostage. <laughs> <laughs> a hostage situation on SmackDown right now uh, with the bloodline. But uh, Raw did have a good show. Uh, I know that they said Vince is out with his surgeries and indictments or whatever he's got, he's got going on right now. Uh, whatever legal issues he stumbles into next. Uh, so he's kind of out of the picture right now. And it felt like that was a reset show on Raw. We'll see because, you know, in the back of your mind, you always expect, oh, it, it'll go south eventually. But for the first night, they set up some cool stuff with Gable uh, Nakamura coming in there. There's some good stuff uh, on Raw right now, and we'll see how it plays out. Uh, obviously, the the show is at the start of next month, too, uh, Payback. We've got two AEW shows coming up, all in, all out. Uh, so, uh, yeah, we'll, we'll figure out some way to do this. i got somebody who's going to be at the show, actually, live. Uh, I'm planning cool. to have one, too. So uh, we'll do that. But obviously, one way or the other, somehow or some way, you you will obviously come back. You, you're my top guy now, Nello. I want to <laughs> announce that to everybody right now. Like, uh, Nello is Wrestle Updates through and through right now. You, you are the dude right now. Thank you. I'm, I'm very happy to be part of it. So this has been a very, very fun way to kick off the day for me. So thank you. Absolutely, and I'll put all your links and stuff on the show, but if you want to plug anything, say any last words to the fans, now's the time. Oh my gosh, okay, Um, I hope Grimace does a run-in, I hope that's the next fucking capitalist plug, is we get Grimace versus LA Knight. Um, I think a wrestler named Dex would be really cool, just Dex, like change Dex to Sir Lumis's name to Dex, and um, yeah, buy Happy Stumble Burger Farm on Steam, those are my plugs today. Absolutely. You've, you've got to support the size de- development team right now on Twitter. You've got to do it. You, uh, you know, always support Russell Update. Support me, Viva underscore zero on Twitter. Again, I'll put all this stuff on the stuff on the show, but still, uh, I just like saying it. it's It's fun to say things right now. Words mean things. I think that's a big lesson on this show right now. Uh, but we will be back later in the month when uh, AEW has their biggest show ever at Wembley Stadium. 
like I said, more stuff coming on. Lots of fun stuff in the future, even though the show had its ups and downs, to say the least. And even to a lot of the inmates, they agreed with us uh, to some extent. But as always, thank you guys so much for listening. I really appreciate it. For Nella De Angelis, I'm Dylan Fox. And until next time, this has been your Wrestle Update.